Welcome to In Session, Conversations with University Counselors. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. In this series, we welcome a number of Queen's University alumni who serve on Queen's University Council. And from them, we learn much about their time as students at Queen's, their career paths after convocation, and what drives their motivations to serve the Queen's community as council members. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, everyone. You are listening to another episode of In Session, Conversations with Queen's University Counselors. And I am in the virtual studio today with Kazmit Gabo. Hello, Kaz. How are you today? Really good. Yeah, it's nice to be here. It's really nice to be talking with you. And talk, even though we're not in the same room together, it's really great to be able to connect with folks virtually. And before uh, before we were uh, coming into the interview, we were actually chatting about all of the people that we've been meeting over the last Mm-hmm. year almost since uh, since the pandemic uh, and it's a, a real pleasure to meet with you today so Kaz is a Queen's University alumnus recently uh, having received an MBA from the Smith School of Business and is also a member of Queen's University Council so thank you very much Kaz again for joining us can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're doing with your new career path yeah, sure. Yeah. I, so, uh, you know, recently I just uh, finished the, the MBA um, with uh, the Smith School of Business, but I had actually graduated, you know, 10 years ago with an engineering degree from Queens uh, in mining. So that was really the, the kind of my, my first career at Queens. Um, and so right current right now, I, I work for Nutrien. It's uh, the uh, world's largest um, crop input uh, company uh, in the world, and we we also are really big in in, in potash, and I, I'm in the their potash division. Mm-hmm. Um, I look after planning and scheduling. So, um, you know, Nutrien's been in the news uh, lately. We're doing a big digital transformation program, uh, looking at ways to do digital, uh, kind of like technology enabled change management. And I look at how we can change our mind planning and our scheduling. Uh, using new technologies that are out there. And we're also looking at automated, you know, mining, so automated bores, and we're looking at uh, improvements in maintenance, et cetera. So that's uh, what I'm, you know, at Kipson Beasley. And um, before that, uh, at Nutrien, I was doing um, a lot more kind of like mining engineering uh, work. Um, And I was doing capital projects at one of our um, operations. Mm -hmm. But the MBA really helped with, Kind of getting me um, closer to to more of uh, kind of the, the, the strategy and, and and what we're doing like with our with our head office, um, especially with this digital transformation. So that's been really cool. Um, and then uh, before Nutrien, uh, I worked with uh, Chemico, which is um, another really great Saskatchewan uh, company and a, and a great uh, Canadian company. Um, I was working at Cigar, which is the, the world's highest grade uranium mine. Um, and, um, you know, Cameco is really focused on uh, providing clean energy for, um, for a very energy hungry world. <laughs> and that's kind of where I started my career. So I worked about five years there and then I've been at Nutrient for the next five years. Well, congratulations to you on a pretty successful career path. And thanks for sharing some of that uh, with us. 
Now, can you share a little bit about uh, your memories from your time at Queen's from maybe back 10 years ago when you were still doing mi- a mining engineering degree, but even maybe some more recent memories from your MBA? Uh, we know what you studied. What kinds of activities, too, were you engaged in outside of coursework? Yeah, so um, I have a lot of fun memories. I mean, um, in uh, in my second year, I organized, uh, I was part of the committee that, uh, like the FREC committee, so we organized um, like the Engineering Frosh Week, which uh, which was just a ton of fun. And I, I was uh, the um, coordinator for the Grease Bowl. So uh, oh. till this day, I still have a really hard time explaining, you know, what that whole tradition is to my family because they're like, wait, what? Like you have how many people in a field and <laughs> what are you doing with that? So that's been um, one of a uh, really fond memory and, and like the whole committee uh, w- was great. Um, with a few of my friends uh, in under the kind of engineering competitions. So I think in third year, we made it to the national competitions and ended up spending a little bit of time in, in the Maritimes kind of representing Queens. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun too. And then uh, mining games was another really fun memory. So um, each year there's every mining um, university. So, you know, UBC, uh, Queens, McGill, like U of S, they all send uh, a a team uh, to one host university and we kind of compete in different kind of mining disciplines and you win points for your uh, for your school. And, and there's a huge like re- uh, recruitment effort that happens during that time. And that's actually how I got my first job with, uh, with Cameco. So those are all like really, really fun memories. And, you know, just kind of being um, part of um, all the other great traditions that Queens has, you know, the, the sci formal and, and, and things like that. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, we, Missed out, I guess, this year due to the pandemic on uh, some of the uh, Frosh Week traditions, including mm-hmm. the Grease Pole, which, you know, makes me a little bit sad inside and I'm <laughs> sure has saddened uh, many, many students and, and alumni too. Uh, for some of our listeners out there, can you tell us about the Grease Pole? I know you said you had a hard time explaining it to your family, <laughs> but there are going to be listeners who are like, what? <laughs> what, are <you> <laughs> what, what are you talking about? What yeah. is that thing? So uh, one of the you know, time-honored traditions in engineering is for the year to become, uh, the, the new frost year to become a, a year, they, they form a human pyramid to get a TAM that's, uh, that's basically nailed at the top of a, of a football post. And what we do is uh, we essentially dig a pit and fill it with uh, with water. And then you kind of uh, let the first year frosh try and and form that human pyramid and 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 get the town. So which is covered um, the, on which, this pole that's also covered in grease. It's yeah, covered in lanolin. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, and then after a while, you know, the, the, you kind of let uh, the. Um, it's a free climb, essentially. It's called for for a few minutes, and then, then after that, we'd move to to a directed climb. So when I was uh, organizing the the grease pole, we actually had um, we we made uh, a few changes. Uh, like Andrew Pope, who organized it before me, had um, instituted uh, the the water team. So we just had people to kind of supervise and make sure that everything was safe. And uh, I also had interviewed a few people from the previous year, and we realized that. You know, the more the most efficient way to climb the grease pole is to everybody form rings first before creating a lot of pressure. 
and then at that point create pressure once you've got everybody in place and then you get your climb done really quickly. So when I was talking to Dean Deluzio, you know, he was like, you know, when you look at how the grease pole is executed now, I mean, you could almost run it as like a corporate, you know, bonding exercise because it's, it's, it's that precise now. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And it kind of speaks to the ingenuity of, of our students and, and what we can do. So if, if you haven't gone to the grease pole, I think it would be something to check out. Well, I'm sure that there are some videos out there that folks should uh, definitely check out if, until we're able to actually witness it happening in, in City Park, uh, hopefully next year. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing uh, a little bit about a Queen's tradition that you uh, were a part of and also enjoyed a great deal, too. Um, so... I'd like to go back to your work and your career. I think our student listeners in particular would really benefit from learning more about your quite fascinating career path with your educational background in both engineering, mining engineering specifically, as well as your MBA. Can you tell us how you got from finishing a degree and then finishing an MBA and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, you know, I really like the quote from Steve Jobs. I was like, you know, you, you can always connect the dots going back, but it's really difficult to connect the dots going forward, right? Like, it's easy for me now to say, oh, you know, like this led to that and this led, you know, and then it, it leads me to where I am today. But I think that um, when you're thinking, like the hard part is when you're thinking about what, what you're going to do, and, and I still ask myself what I'm going to do when I grow up. It's difficult to know where exactly you're going to get to and how you're going to get there. But the nice thing is really that what's important is the trajectory, right? So um, if, I, if I were to tell you, you know, going backwards uh, or, or going from when I was in fourth year, really what I wanted to do was to find a job to kind of expose me to what mining really was because I didn't want to graduate without really having an understanding of what it is that I'm going to do. So I always had summer jobs in in um, in at different mines. So I worked in you know Flint Flon, Manitoba, <laughs> in my second year, and then I worked in Sudbury uh, at uh, Kid Creek and uh, in Saskatoon. So you know like real big mining cities. But um, you know I, I'd say that for anybody that's listening, get as much exposure to what you want to do um, soon. Um, and, and and people love talking about what they do. So one of the things that I've really enjoyed is to just have inter like informational interviews, right? Like ask about trends, ask about insights, ask about uh, you know recommendations. Who 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 else should I talk to? And and it was really through that curiosity that I found out about chemical because I didn't really know all that much about you know the uranium industry. Um, I had done a lot of work in hard rock, uh, kind of like zinc and, and base metal mines. But when I learned a little bit more about Cameco and, and the, the really huge energy needs that um, are happening in the world and, and how much they are a pillar of the economy in Saskatchewan, it was a really cool summer job. Oh, and the next thing is um, you got to apply for jobs that are a stretch. You know, like don't just uh, apply for something that you're like, oh, I have all the qualifications for it right now, because again, you're going to get really bored of that job really quickly. So you know, you, you still have to, to be challenging yourself and, and people, you know, we hire people that we can develop and that are going to be growing in their roles. So for any, like, you know, students that are listening, I'd say that that's a, that's a big one to do. Um, yeah, so on my first day at the job at Cameco, our VP wanted to meet everyone. 
because it was a new VP. And, uh, you know, he was like, Kaz, how, you know, what have you been doing? And I said, mainly orientation. And uh, he's like, yeah, I have a professor that would like to see what he can do with, with us. So um, I showed that professor around and, and ended up actually doing a master's in mechanical engineering. Um, that was through uh, the University of Ontario at the time. And um, that was kind of, uh, you know, kind of cool. So I'd say, you know, in your early in your career, take some opportunities if you can. Um, and, and that kind of opened up the whole mechanical engineering piece to me a little bit more. Um, and from there, I ended up going to Potash Corp to do capital projects at Allen. Uh, and then Potash Corp became Nutrien. Um, and while I was doing work at the mine side, I kind of realized that I was very interested in the business side. And, and I really wanted to understand how does the, the entire business unit run, mm-hmm. not just, you know, how to run the projects that I was working on. So, um, and I had always wanted to do an MBA. So I, I looked at what was available. Um, Queens uh, was a, a program that I, that I thought was really great because I could do it remotely and I didn't have to quit my job essentially, which was a pretty big opportunity cost for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I was able to kind of keep working full time and do the MBA full time. It was really busy. But, uh, you know, again, looking back, I, I'm, I'm really glad I did it because it just kind of opened up a few other opportunities in the company. Um, and uh, I was able to move from the, the mine where I was to kind of the central team that was looking at ground control and, and mining for all of our five mines. And then from there, the opportunity for the digital transformation came and, and I jumped on it. So I think it's, it's really just about... Um, you know, do great work, uh, but have your eye on figuring out what else, what else are the opportunities in the company, make sure that people know that you are wanting to, to get um, more done and then ask about where the gaps are, you know, hey, if I wanted to do this, what should I be working on? And people are really happy to kind of, you know, coach you along and, and tell you what they've been doing. So, I'd say that that's, those are some of the insights that I wish someone had told me <laughs> and uh, hopefully I can kind of just pass them along. And actually I shouldn't just say, I wish someone had told me, I mean, there's been a lot of really great mentors um, that have told me those things. And, and I think that this is just really me having an opportunity to, to pass it along as well. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure many of our student listeners will be agog with happiness and delight with what they've just learned from you today. Thank you so much. So um, let's talk now a little bit about University Council and your role on it. First, what inspired you to become a member of University Council and run for a seat? Yeah, so after um, doing the the MBA and being on campus, I kind of had a lot of nostalgia, you know, I was like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to to do something where I'm like reconnected with the university. And uh, as part of the MBA graduation, one of our profs was like, hey, you know, you guys just learned a whole bunch of stuff now and uh, you should, you know, be part of boards and do something to give back because um, now you have a responsibility to, to essentially contribute a little bit more. And when I saw this opportunity, I thought, you know what, I'll give it a shot. Uh, and um, I asked a few of my kind of previous professors and a few friends that are alumni to, to help me uh, with the nomination and, and end up getting in. So I, it's my first year on council and it's been really nice to kind of have that connection back to, to the university. So it's been really good and, and meeting other counselors, which has been really great. 
Okay. And since, uh, since you've been on council, what kinds of activities have you been engaged in? Yeah, so um, I, I've been part of a few focus groups. I mean, the University Council is really like, um, we, we provide um, advice for the most part to, to the administration. Mm -hmm. um, and so when uh, I was part of a few focus groups on the renaming of uh, the John A. McDonald Hall, um, there were just a few kind of focus groups on branding, et cetera. Um, and the big one was really the, the University Council um, Annual General the university annual general meeting. So that was really great to, to kind of hear um, the strategic plan from the principal to kind of hear the report uh, from the Dean of Engineering and the Dean of uh, the Smith School of Business, especially this year, right? With uh, stolen by Smith and, and uh, raised by FEAS, like it, it was a lot of um, mm -hmm. um, really big um, EDII um, initiatives and, and and uh, dealing with the, um, the fallout of, you know, students that really didn't feel like they were um, they, that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And that's really the sad part, right? Because it's not just about um, diversity and inclusion. I think that it needs to go beyond diversity and inclusion and has to go to that sense of belonging. I had a fantastic experience at Queens and I always felt like I belonged to the community. And I think that we owe it to every student to, to feel like, like that too, because you know people go to university to grow and these are really precious years in someone's development. And I, it really saddens me to feel that, you know, because of feeling, feelings of discrimination or, or because of feelings of alienation, um, we're not able to provide the same experience to everyone. Okay. So thank you very much. Now, can you talk a little bit more about why it's so important to give back? And it sounds like some of the committee work that you've been doing is very important uh, uh, and a, a really important way for you to give back as many of your peers are doing. Mm -hmm. So let's hear more about uh, your commitments uh, to the best student experience possible. What's happening moving forward? Yeah, so I think, you know, on, on the giving back piece, like I've always wanted, like I'm the president of our um, like MBA kind of class. And one of the things that I really like to do is, you know, uh, we, we talk about where are three ways of giving back. It's, you, you know, your time, your talent and your treasure. And um, I've definitely been trying to give back some of my time to, to causes that I really think are important and, and to keep our class together. My wife and I, we've um, always like we actually have. Um, uh, Queens in our will, and 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 we've um, always wanted to, you know, give as much as we can. Because when I was a student, it really helped to have kind of bursaries and, and stuff like that on the monetary side, on the treasure side, right? Mm -hmm. uh, where for for students, um, for some students, it it makes a a huge difference uh, being able to uh, actually be the best they can um, by um, by having a little bit of help. And, and I think the, uh, the other piece is really to just um, give back some of our talent because we might have, um, you know, uh, a way to see the world that could change some of the programming, some of the strategic decisions that the university is making. And um, especially as I kind of see what's happening behind the curtain uh, as a counselor, there's a ton of work that gets done to essentially create the experience that, uh, that we know Queens to be. So um, being able to, to provide your perspective as a, as a Quinn's alumni 
for our alumnus, sorry, is, is really important. So yeah, it's, giving back is really time, talent, treasure. Great. Thank you very much, Kaz. Now, what it, you talked about some of the advice that you might have for students when thinking about their career path moving forward. Do you have any advice for students about getting the most out of their Queen's experience this year, especially while remote yeah, learning is still in is, is still in effect? Yeah, you know, it's it's a tough one, right? Because I think that um, uh, I like this is uncharted territory. Like when I was in university, I never really had to deal with this, and so the world gets more and more complex. But what I can, you know, hazard as as uh, advice is really just uh, you know be creative um, and and don't be deterred by, uh, you know. If, if you think you're going to have a good time or if you think you're going to have a bad time, I think you're, you're, you're right. It's just a matter of change your framing. And I've seen some amazing, um, you know, ingenuity from people being like, hey, we're, we're going to be meeting on Zoom to kind of do our, our studying or, or whatever the case might be. And, and the next one is like take a few, you know, risks and, and, uh, and, and try something new, right? Like try learning something that you really always wanted to learn because, you know, Today is the the oldest you ever <laughs> you've ever been, and, and the youngest you're ever gonna be. So you gotta just seize those moments and and uh, try and make the best out of the experience. And and with the technology we have nowadays, I mean, it's uh, it's been really really fantastic to see that even though we can't be there physically, you know, we can still do things like this uh, by video, and I, and I can still be involved um, with with the university from you know three thousand miles away. So it's it's just different, but it, it doesn't mean that um, it's going to be worse, right? It could still be, it could be different and better. All right. And and how about alumni? I, I like how you talked a little bit about you uh, still being the class president uh, in, for your MBA program. So you're still in contact with folks in your cohort, which is great to hear. Do you have advice for other alumni uh, out there to not only stay connected with each other, but with their alma mater? Yeah, I think that's really about kind of reaching out to the university sometimes because like whether you're looking for advice on something, I think that, um, you know, like even for career um, changes, like the university has a ton of resources uh, that you can still tap in. And then we, we have a, um, a really great alumni relations, um, you know, department. And, and I, I, I am guilty of not having taken like as much advantage of it as I probably could. And, and sometimes I was like, well, you know, I don't live in Toronto or, or Calgary and that's probably why, but they really help everyone everywhere. And so um, I'd say that, you know, if you're thinking about, Hey, you know, gee, I, I haven't really been in contact with, um, you know, some of my, you know, colleagues from Queens or whatever, like, it doesn't hurt to just go on the website and just check out different events, especially now that they've got a ton of virtual events. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you are, you can still really participate. Amazing. So now before we close our show today, in your view, why should fellow alumni like you consider running for a council seat on university council this spring? Yeah, we need diverse views on the university council, and especially since university council is is kind of one of the most diverse kind of uh, bodies that the university has access to. Um, I I think that you know if if you have the time to con- uh, to contribute 
and I mean, you're definitely talented. Uh, it would be it'd be great to, to see diverse views on, on the council. And, and I think that, you know, on a personal note too, um, anything that I've ever been involved in essentially kind of colors everything else that I'm doing. So there are, there are certain, you know, practices that I'm learning from university council that I can then bring back to Nutrien and, and, and vice versa. So um, it's a great experience. You get to meet some really, really very senior, very great people and, and really new, young, really energized people. So it's a cool mix, you know? Um, and, and I think that um, if you're thinking about uh, running for university council, or if you're thinking about a way to get involved with the university and get a more intimate understanding of how uh, the university kind of works behind the scenes, this is a great opportunity. Great. Have you anything else to add, Kaz, before we close? No, I just wanted to say thanks for, for your time and for reaching out. And I'm looking forward to when this podcast airs. Well, thank you very much for joining us, folks. We've been talking with Kazmit Niangabo, who is a uh, Queen's University alumnus, as well as a member of University Council, all about his time at Queen's, where he's been on his career path, where he is now, and the fine work that he's doing as a member of University Council. Thank you so much, Kaz. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. No worries. Ciao. everyone. Welcome to my virtual studio. Once again, I'm Dinah Jansen. Today, I'm chatting with Samantha Chung, Vice President, Sagittor Corporation, Queen's University alumna and member of University Council. Thanks for joining us, Samantha. Thank you, Dinah. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I was born in Winnipeg uh, in, in Manitoba. I lived there for the first uh, 10 years of my life uh, before moving down to Indianapolis, Indiana where I lived there until I was 17. And um, at that point, um, it was time to make that decision to come to university or which university I was going to go to. And although I had applied to a number of universities in the US, I uh, decided at that time that I would return to Canada for good uh, and carry out my education here. And uh, so at that time, I was considering, you know, Queens and McGill at the time. And, uh, and so that's how I came about to Queens. Um, I studied uh, just high level, I studied chemical engineering at Queens. I also did a master's in environmental civil engineering. Uh, so spent about six years in Kingston, loved every moment of it. Uh, and right now, you know, it's I'm at the right point in my life where it was just um, the right time to give back uh, some of the goodwill that I received as a student um, uh, and hoping that um, I can, you know, share and participate in the, you know, future strategy of, of Queens. So that's where I, that's how I came about to Queens. So. Great. And what do you do for a living? Right. So I am the executive vice president of Sagicor Financial Sagicor Financial is a market-leading uh, life insurance company uh, in the Caribbean, uh, and it just uh, we just took it public about a year ago on the Toronto Stock Exchange. And so um, it's interesting. I um, although I studied chemical engineering, uh, I and I did work in engineering for about four years. Um, I went 
back and I did my MBA and that's sort of how I ended up in capital markets um, mm-hmm. a long time ago uh, in the in the late uh, 1990s um, when I entered the capital markets for the first time. So it was, um, you know, transformative and that's sort of how, how I sort of ended up in, in investor relations. Um, over time, I sort of built a career um, in capital markets in the Canadian capital market started with uh, one of the big Canadian banks um, after doing, you know, after my engineering days and my MBA, and then started a big Canadian bank and have worked at a number of in a number of different roles, actually never would have envisioned um, that an engineering degree could take me uh, in that direction. But it mm-hmm. did. And, um, you know, I think, um, I, yeah, when I was at Capital Markets at another at one of the major banks in, in Canada, I had a number of different roles, uh, ranging from equity research, to uh, investment banking, to derivatives, to origination of corporate bonds. Um, and then it was after that, then I entered into the investor relations field and worked uh, with another insurance company. So this, um, my position at Sagicor is the third insurance company that I've worked in. And funny enough, I've worked in all different kinds of insurance from an investor relations perspective. And you may ask what investor relations is. Um, investor relations is um, basically I'm, I'm uh, creating demand uh, for our shares by building relationships with um, the institutional investors. And helping to build presence and, and uh, on the stock, you know, presence on the stock exchange and stock market, and and um, to uh, to get, help the company gain that seasonality in the marketplace. Wow! So thank you so much for for sharing uh, some more about your career path and and how you moved from chemical engineering, where you started uh, your academic career. And then transitioned towards an MBA and a completely different field from what you had started when you were 17, 18 years old. What inspired you to shift from a career in chemical engineering to moving into uh, insurance and, and the market for insurance? Right. Well, so I think if I think back then, it was certainly not intentional in terms of moving into insurance. That's for sure. Um, I think when I had done four years of engineering, it was a fantastic um, starting point for my career. And I think uh, when one enters capital markets, you would find that quite a number of um, of, of colleagues in the, in the industry have come with an engineering background. Mm-hmm. So it's actually not that uncommon. Uh, I think it's because we come with the math and science background. Um, and the attention to detail, so to speak. And so we're able to take those skills and apply them in another area. And I think when I had done the four years of engineering, I worked, you know, basically I worked in the field, taking soil samples and water samples and air samples and, and writing environmental assessment reports. I think it was the right time in my life um, to go back and do another degree, a, a business degree, um, that sort of uh, helped catapult me into the capital markets. But even then, even then, I didn't intend um, to necessarily go in this route. Um, when you do an MBA, you have different pathways that you can take. You can either you know, go into consulting or you can go into capital markets. And at that time, I just wanted to learn as much as I could. I, I wanted to 
gain as much experience as I could. And so I worked um, when I was in my MBA um, school, I, I was doing it while I was doing it full time. I did take on a part time job with um, one of the banking institutions in Toronto to gain as much experience as I possibly could. So I even worked through the second year of my MBA uh, to gain that experience. And so I think, you know, one, I think when one charts a path, a career path, one doesn't always know what direction that's going to take, uh, take oneself. But I think you have to be sort of open to, um, you know, taking on new challenges, taking on new risks, be willing to learn, and sort of take that, you know, I can do attitude um, in every role that you do. I think school doesn't teach you uh, how to do a certain role within a certain organization. I think school and the skills that you gain from a degree um, or multiple degrees gives you the tool set uh, to use, uh, which you can then apply in 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 your job um, to gain to to gain that experience and progress accordingly. So I think, you know, it's having that mindset uh, and be willing the willingness to learn and take on new challenges that sort of got me to where I am. I think now. Wonderful, thank you. I, I think student listeners uh, will not only benefit from learning about your career path, but that sage advice you also just offered when thinking about a career path and what you might do with your degree, even if you're not necessarily going to go into the field that you're that or the for which discipline you may be the discipline you may be studying in, right? So, yeah. I understand uh, that you also, Samantha, have a child who is now in first year at Queen's University. Is that correct? I do. So how are things going for them this year? Um, Well, I think it would be a lie to say that it's, um, you know, they're not certainly, let me put it this way. I think it's, I give kudos, the biggest kudos to every graduate in 2020 because they have really had to um, make the best of the situation and I think they've done it. So my daughter has really, I think, has made the best of the situation. All of the classes, as you may or may not know, are all online. Um, she is living in residence. We made that decision to live in residence. Um, we felt that it would be at least a one opportunity to meet some friends. Um, in, in her faculty, and I think that has helped. And I think um, she's been able to, I think some of the positives that have come out, she's joined a couple of clubs. She's joined um, uh, an organization called Raise the Bar, uh, which is a health and fitness organization. She's also joined um, a the FICSI, which is a Queens uh, faculty um, health studies, I think in kinesiology group, uh, in the area of uh, equity and diversity uh, uh, as, as a designated role. So she has found ways to sort of um, make connections, albeit virtually, um, and to get involved in that way. They didn't have a fresh orientation. They didn't have the same sort of introduction to Queens that uh, maybe some of the listeners, including myself, um, had the benefit of. But I think uh, she's made the best of it. I think some of the, you know, maybe some of the negatives, um, I think there's been fewer opportunities um, to socialize even even virtually outside of the school environment. Um, and so it has been, has been 
um, more difficult uh, to, mm-hmm. to friends and those connections. But you know, she's been able to form a couple of different study groups um, and um, has been able to um, you know at least gather some housemates together to to find that. Um, housing for you know secure housing for the coming year so I think all in all um, it's it's a good it's been okay and I think Queens has actually done a phenomenal job to try to um, um, inform them of you know what's happening with regards to scheduling and the classes and I think teachers professors have been forthright in 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 um, guiding them through through the curriculum you know albeit virtually um, I think the one positive the other positive thing is that she's been able to really um, self-manage all the classes are pre-recorded and you can you can listen to them at your leisure um, so long as they are in advance of any sort of testing that might be carried out uh, for that particular module. And so one has to be very disciplined uh, in mm-hmm. terms of self time. And so I think um, she's been able to develop a routine, which um, has been helpful where, you know, you develop a routine, you, she'll work out at a certain time, she'll listen to courses at a certain time, she'll socialize for a little bit of the time, and sort of uh, have that daily routine, um, which has been, uh, which is a, which is good learning on, on its own, I think. Mm-hmm, indeed, uh, quite a challenging year for everybody and at all levels of the university. But I imagine too, for uh, uh, first year students, such as your own daughter, who haven't already had a, some time in at the university to really get a feel for what that university experience is, not only in terms of the work of being a student, but, you know, the extracurricular uh, aspects as well, socializing, but then other things just like, how do I go get a library book? <laughs> some of these things are, some things at university life are, are, how do I do this or how do I do that? There's always a question and a, a process that one needs to figure out through their university career, but there seems to be extra challenges. And I think it would be particularly challenging for first years if they don't already, if they're not already in the know. But it sounds like the university has also uh, done quite a lot to make sure that first-year students and all students are armed with and equipped with all of the information that they could possibly want. And there are so many uh, portals for information as well, virtual office hours for different units of the university so people can just get their questions answered, (laughs) that kind of thing, right? Oh, it's such a challenge. I mean... You know, think about the from the professor point of view, they've had to rejig their whole curriculum to teach it online, which yeah. is all challenging. And then the students themselves are all over. Not everybody's on campus. Everybody's people are, um, you know, at home also. Um, and and so they're all having, you know, um, to make the best of it and make and 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 you know, do what they can to learn the material and um, and move on. So I think. You know, at the at the end of the day, um, I think the whole the whole group will come out strong, um, and um, you know, be having that willingness to adapt, I think, is a is a life skill which, you know, we've all been forced to to engage. Um, but in their circumstance, it's it's probably a little easier than I think than some of the, some of, some others. So. Hmm. Hmm. 
So I'd, I'd like to go back in time if we can. We've heard we've heard quite a lot about uh, uh, your 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 daughter's experience on campus this year, but can you tell us a little bit about your own experience uh, and your memories from your time at Queen's University when you were here as a student? What uh, we know you studied chemical engineering. What kinds of activities, perhaps, were you engaged in at the same time? Tell us about your time at Queen's. Oh, it was you know fantastic. So I. As I mentioned earlier, I, I came to Queens at age 17, did not know a single soul. Um, my parents were still in the US at the time. Uh, and so I really didn't know anybody. So it really forced me to um, um, get involved as much as I can. So of course, um, as some of the listeners will know, engineering is a very spirited bunch. Um, and and you know, during my time was, was no different. Uh, and, you know, it starts from the drive into Queens and uh, meeting the uh, upper years as they welcome you onto campus uh, and help you settle in. Um, it's, it's quite a quite a school with a lot of school spirit and traditions. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to be said with that. I think that has carried the test of time over years and years and I think that's that sort of spirit is very special. Uh, so when I was in first year, or in in when I was in engineering, I did get involved in my second year um, as a as a frac. Um, it's called I think a a frosh regulation enforcement committee, and I didn't know what it frac stood for until I looked it up uh, recently because I was curious myself. Um, but it's something you have to you have to try out for. Um, you're basically an orientation leader for the week. Um, at that time, you know, I had really long hair. I had to had to somehow make it, made it stand up and make my make myself look extremely scary. Which uh, use those engineering skills. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, made myself sort of a foot taller and and take up more space, kind of thing. Um, but uh, so I did that. Dyed myself purple. Had my jacket. Um, and, uh, you know, welcomed in the second, you know, the, the first years, um, at that time. And, you know, I still keep in touch with my, with my FREC leaders, uh, you know, all this time, uh, you know, for like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and I still keep in touch with them. Um, and interestingly enough, one of my FRECs, um, daughters uh, was a classmate of, of my daughter. Uh, oh. in high so it's really a small world. You just never know um, where these Queens people end up. And um, the world is small. And I think the fact is that um, because we all went to Queens, um, that that spirit sort of stands the test of time. Um, so yeah, so I was a, I was a Freck leader. Um, I also got involved in uh, women in science and engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, um, you know, uh, it stands for, you can tell what that, that group is. You know, there's about 30% women in engineering. It hasn't changed all that much over time, but, um, you know, um, that was an important organization uh, to get involved in. I think we did a calendar one, one year and and so and did that to, took pictures and had a calendar that we sold for for to raise money and so forth. Um, and then um, in my grad school years, I think I think when I was an undergrad, I really 
like, I think that's when you really appreciate Queens, what Queens has to offer. And I think it's when you go into your grad years, because I stayed, I was actually in Kingston for six years. Um, in the grad years, I think that's when I really started to appreciate Kingston and what mm -hmm. Kingston had to offer. Because you're, you're staying there in the summertime and that's when the weather is spectacular, you're lakeside. Um, and there's just a lot of activities uh, to do, you know, softball, going out to, um, you know, cheap appetizer night at the keg or, um, you know, traditional breakfast, pub breakfast at the Toucan. So there's lots of fun activities that you do as a grad student. Um, and then I was able to, and, and because of my actual grad work, um, I was able to uh, help set up this pilot plant in the basement of Dupuy Hall, which is the chemical engineering building, uh, and set up this pilot plant that produced ethanol from biomass. So that was very exciting. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it really um, helped me get involved in the school and, and get involved with my, with my professors on an academic level. I think that really um, was appreciative of that. And, you know, uh, was able to write some, write some papers with my professors at the time. And, and um, so, you know, it was really, I, I was able to get involved in different ways, um, both from a spirited perspective and an academic perspective. Okay, great. Now, hot take, I need the hot take. So you talked about your time as a freck, you were, you you were around the university back in the day, I think, when all of the engineering students were really doing fun, amazing, and weird stuff on April Fool's Day. Did you ever put an airplane into a tree? <laughs> ah, good question. No, I did not. <laughs> I did not, but I certainly observed a, a lot of creative ideas. The engineers um, are amazing, amazing for that, uh, that spirit and to your point, putting cars where you wouldn't expect cars to be. Um, and uh, no, I, I didn't actually participate in that in that level of uh, engagement. But, uh, <laughs> but those are certainly fun times for, for many people. Oh, amazing. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk a little bit about University Council. You, you have uh, established yourself in, in an illustrious career uh, over many years. Now you are giving back to the university through your volunteerism. Can you tell us more about the work you do for University Council and what inspired you to run for election to University Council in the first place? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think I, I certainly was inspired when my daughter chose to go to Queens. Um, you know, at first it, it, she was examining a number of universities and when she finally decided, I felt I felt really re-inspired I think to give back um, to an organization that has been so um, has played such an important part in the transformation and shaping of who I am and and where you know how I've come to be I think you know those are the critical years age 17 18 to early 20s and those are really uh, transformative years and I think we have a, an environment like Queens being um, so welcome and so forth I think that was really um, helpful. Uh, one of the reasons why I uh, decided to give back. I think um, for me personally, um, giving back at this time in my life, I think is also important because I have, you know, while I'm working full time, um, my kids are older, my family is older. Um, and so I have more time. I just have more time to give back. And I've been able to sort of 
be choosy of where I spend some my some of my time. So, you know, on a I, I really um, on a whim I, I put my name in the hat um, uh, to get nominated for the university council, and I was thrilled to mm-hmm. to actually get elected um, to the council. And I have to say that. Um, I've officially been uh, an, a university counselor since September of, of this of 2020, and I I would say since then it, um, the experience has really far exceeded my expectations. I think when you read the description of a university counselor, it says you're you know you're an ambassador for the university because you can easily one can easily share their own experiences for the benefit of of others. But I actually think it's quite a bit more than that. Um, since even prior to the official um, date or starting date of, of being a university counselor, you know, I was involved, I've been involved in a number of things. I've been involved in um, conversations around the renaming of the law building. I've been mm-hmm. involved in conversations and discussions with regards to uh, branding of the uh, Queen's logo for the alumni. Uh, I've been um, and, and and the branding of such too, and what the what the branding means. Um, I've been involved in discussions with regards to equity, diversity, inclusion, and indigeneity, uh, and those EDII discussions, which are um, of priority uh, to the university. And so it's been really helpful to be engaged in those conversations. Um, I participated in the recent AGM, uh, which um, uh, I was able, we were, we were all able to listen and, 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 and ask questions and comment about the strategy, the future strategy of Queens, and to be involved in those discussions. We've been able to uh, have a say in the attributes of the new chancellor uh, for Queens that is up and coming. So the list goes on and on, and it's quite amazing um, the level of engagement that one could do. And it's really, um, it's really, uh, you can get involved in as much or as little as you, as your time will permit. And because uh, it's a four year term, uh, one will have lots of opportunity to get involved in different ways, um, just like the podcast that we're doing, you know, today. But um, it's quite amazing in terms of the different kinds of engagements that that one can do as a, as a counselor. So I think it's been really great. We have such a diverse group uh, on the council. There's 40 council members uh, plus um, the board of trustees. Uh, and, and and also getting involved in and in, in hearing from the the faculty is quite quite amazing too, and quite you know um, quite engaging from that perspective and listening to their ideas and their their goals and their priorities and so forth has been has been important too, and so I think having having um, all my life sort of been involved in capital markets and and. And, and, and involved in, in those kinds of, in, in that kind of a network, having this broader network has been, has been really um, amazing actually. So, yeah. All right. So in your view, why should fellow alumni consider running for a council seat this spring? So I think uh, every alumni, uh, if you've got time to spare, should consider running for the University Council. Um, I think we're at a pivotal point um, with um, coming out of that pandemic 
and uh, repositioning the university for its future and what it stands for and um, the things that make Queens different. And um, I think university council members have an opportunity to play a role and to have a say and have a voice. And I think it's really important uh, for you, if, you if, if for anybody who's out there, if you if you have any inkling of getting involved um, with the organization, um, this is an excellent way to get involved um, and to give you know give back some of your time and actually the university council can gain from your experience to get that if everybody comes with different experiences and um, and everyone has something to share. And so I think um, by putting your name, by raising your hand and putting your name in the hat for, for those, for that opportunity can be quite valuable for the university. And I think you yourself will gain a lot as well, just from what I've just described in terms of, you know, the network that you might gain uh, from interacting with a, a different group of, of individuals. Um, the, the insight that you gain is, is transferable and all kinds of things that you might do um, outside of, you know, in, in your own, in your own personal world. So I would encourage every, every alumni to uh, consider a role on the university council. I've been a university council member for, you know, four months now, and I have to say it has far exceeded my expectations. Um, I look forward to um, continuing uh, to look for opportunities to get involved and have, have a voice. Um, and to learn from my fellow colleagues as well on the on, on the university council. So, um, you know, I, I would encourage everybody to 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 um, put their hand up for this role. Thank you so much, Samantha. So, do you have anything else to add today? No, I mean, I think uh, thanks for inviting me uh, to participate in this podcast, um, and uh, I have you know. Queens was such a special place, has such a special place in my heart um, in terms of um, transforming me during those critical years um, that, um, you know, I'm pleased to, to participate in any way I can. And I hope that um, everyone out there who sort of listened to my story, you know, ha- can take what they can from it and, and just learn a little bit that can help, you know, help with their own personal personal journey. Um, so I have you know, really nothing really more to add, but um, thanks very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, folks. We've been talking with Samantha Chung, who is a university alumna, as well as a member of University Council. Thanks so much for telling your story and sharing so much with us today about your time at Queen's, your daughter's experiences this year as a first year student, and also uh, really great insights about your career path. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dinah. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.